Hello, everybody. Welcome to So What You Think. I'm your host, Nick Ledoux. Normally, this is a movie podcast show where me and a guest will come on and we'll discuss a movie that we have just seen for the first time and give sort of our immediate reactions to it. But instead, this is a very different episode. We are instead doing So What You Think of 2018. And we are giving our top 10 list. And we'll also discuss some honorable mentions and some snubs from the Oscars, as well as our general thoughts from the Oscars. And we'll also maybe give our worst movie of the year to at the end. We'll throw that in there. Um, but today, who is joining me is my friend Nate. Why don't you say hi to everybody? Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Nate, and I love movies. Yeah, and Nate's a big film guy, so we're pretty excited. I think we'll have some different opinions <laughs> on some film. Different top ten lists for sure. Um, so we're looking forward to it. This is also going to be a spoiler-free podcast, so let's not give away the endings to these great movies so you guys can go watch them if you haven't seen them. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, before we start, I actually, I wanted to ask you, how, like, what credentials you gave to your top ten list? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, I think, number one, did the movie surprise me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think it's important to be original in art. Um, and. You know, so often you see movies that, like, utilize movies that aren't quite original. And if it surprised me, then I think, you know, it's that's a good sign. Um, movies that have, like, altruistic, like, influence, have, like, a special place in my okay. cinematic, you know. It's very pretentious um, of you. <laughs> I know, it is, but I think... I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to movies. I'm not going to lie. So I think it's important, like, for a film to be aware of where it came from, be true to the artist that made it, and have something... The third credential is that it has something that it's saying, that has a message, a theme, whatever it may be. Um, If it it left me affected, then I'm definitely going to remember it and hold it to high praise. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think another thing that you didn't mention, I said... I use rewatchability when I think of a movie so like afterwards when I like my lasting impression of the movie so like when I think of a certain movie from like last year like Call Me By Your Name I think is very rewatchable whereas like Moonlight maybe isn't quite as rewatchable or something like that where it was like really good when I watched it but I'm not so much going to rewatch it or like Mother I like I'm that. never going to rewatch Mother you, you know? wouldn't rewatch Mother oh I would I definitely know. rewatch Mother <laughs> I, I get it. It kind of like the more layers it has, the more times right. you can watch it. Right. But I will say Mother is, I did think was really good because of like my experience when I watched it. Like that experience was so, I was feeling so many different things watching it that it was still really good. So I, I, I think it still made it on my list just because it was so good in that way. So I don't know. But yeah, I think the experience when you watch it and then the rewatchability, I think are my two biggest factors. Um, but yeah. Okay, so now now that you kind of know <laughs> what what our credentials are, um, let's jump into it. So yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna start from ten. We're gonna go up to one. We're gonna alternate with it. Um, so yeah, Nate, what is your tenth best movie of the year? Uh, my tenth top movie of this year was First Man. Five. What are the chances of not coming back? Four. Those kids, they don't have a father anymore. Three. So you're gonna sit the boys down. Two. And you're going to prepare them for the fact that you might not ever come home. One. Do you think you're coming back? Really? Goodbye, okay. Damien Chazelle, starring Ryan Gosling. Um, I think this movie got a lot of bad press uh-huh. um, when it first came out, which I tried not to let influence my opinion of it. Um, and honestly, I just thought it was a really well-rounded movie. 
that portrayed kind of the hero's journey in a different light. It was a lot more personal than we've seen it before, a lot more like family oriented. I think Damien Chazelle is really just a wonderful director. Yeah. He just One he of the takes best directors, my breath away yeah. every time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so this is actually, this is my number four. Wow, <laughs> yeah. okay. This really jumped up. So actually, I did this movie for the show, like, a while ago, and we saw it in IMAX, like, at the Chinese uh, theater. The way it was meant to be seen. Exactly. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And uh, just the way it was filmed with, like, 16 millimeter and, like, 35, and then, like, the 70 millimeter for, um, like, the IMAX scenes or whatever on the moon. It was, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. And the score, I think... But maybe besides like Beale Street is probably the best score of the year. The score um, was wonderful. Yeah, I listened to the score like weeks after, oh, just yeah. like as I was studying. <laughs> like listen, to the I score. listen to it when I go to the gym sometimes. That's oh, weird, like but height <laughs> music. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like oh. the, the the landing up, like the landing song. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, it okay. also I know it got nominated for production design, which mm-hmm. I think is like valid. But to me, like where it really excelled was. <laughs> in like the score which mm-hmm. i think and that, then, that was one of the biggest snubs i mean we'll talk about that later i think yeah, yeah. it's not getting not getting nominated but justin Hurwitz is one of the best composers i think working i think what and, also may have like taken away is that the same weekend that first man came out another i think it was a hulu original movie called first about like a different astronaut like, oh it came really? out the same weekend oh i never even heard and, of that yeah, it's like bizarre. Okay. We talked about it in one of my marketing classes. Okay. But I think because of that, like people just decided they weren't gonna see either. <laughs> you know, so Oh, interesting. I think another thing is it also came out around the time when the Star is Born came out and that ended up getting way yeah. more hype. And I know a lot of my friends ended up seeing a Star is Born never saw First Man. Yeah. So that, that could be part of it. Definitely. There was also the controversy with like the American flag not being shown on the moon. Yeah. Which I think is stupid that that considering that's not what the movie's about, it's about like his struggle and his like relationship with his wife and his daughter it's not about america i think yeah i don't know i mean i wouldn't the reason why it's not higher on my list is because it's not a very like progressive film from like a social stance i think it's progressive from like a cinematic stance because of like how well it's done but you know i mean it's does it need to be like progressive i mean that's up for debate i think because I, I would argue it's about Ryan Goss. It's about Neil Armstrong. It's not because it's like the movie's first man. It's not the moon landing. It's about his struggle and getting on the moon. So I think it's more about him, not yeah, like I get America that. or like and I don't know. I just think in 2018, it's kind of important that like movies reflect like social awareness. You know, maybe that's okay. that's more like personal to me, but you know, okay. I think I think there is something to be said for like the themes of like toxic masculinity and like how like that plays into it you know like the pressure that he's under to be like a good father to be an american hero to be like a top-notch scientist you know yeah there's, there's a lot of pressure that's like reflected but you know i yeah. mean okay. I, uh-huh. all all, wonderful movie <laughs> great great movie you know uh-huh. someone actually mentioned though and it really resonated with me and the more i think about it the truer i think it is someone said every time like if you look at all the movies that damien chazelle has made it's almost as if they get increasingly more like impersonal which interesting i think there's definitely something to be said for that would you say first man is impersonal though because it really is like i really think the theme of the movie is just like his struggle of trying to overcome like he he can't he doesn't have an outlet to speak 
and he never can speak to his wife about his struggle and like their their whole relationship with their daughter and everything and like that comes out as like he needs to be on the moon to for to him overcome himself you know like yeah i mean i think that which could be really personal for i don't know but what i mean is like impersonal for damien you know for like yeah. his experience which i know isn't but who like knows a, I, don't, I don't know i don't really know damien chazelle maybe i, I know no, could, you're right maybe, I, I mean i'm sure he poured himself into this movie but right. as he, he didn't like, he didn't write this movie too which is the first that's time. true so that's, that, that's i true. can see your point with that i just like i don't know whiplash was incredible la la land uh-huh. i also really like so yeah. you, what do you think of la la land I, yeah i love la la land and i think like <laughs> what made it what made them both really incredible movies was that like he, it had that like auteur influence, you know, and you could tell Damien Chazelle was like kind of speaking from his heart. And I think First Man may have lost sight of that and instead prioritized kind of commercial appeal. And I mean, it didn't, didn't even get that. Though. It didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's to me is one of the biggest mysteries of this year is why First Man only got technical like nominations at the Oscars. I just don't get it. Like, yeah. the last scene with, not to spoil it, but, like, the last scene with Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy, I think, is one of the best of the year. That's what sold me on the movie. Yeah, I like, was, that like, scene. Was, yeah. That last shot. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And, like, the kind of, the, like, <laughs> the metaphorical, like, meaning behind that shot, mm-hmm. too, just, like, it got me. I wanted to talk about that. When yeah. you said yeah. no spoilers on this podcast, that is the first thing that came to mind. Really? Like, how yeah. am I going to talk about First Man? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful. Like, the, even the IMAX scenes, like, when you land on the moon. It's yeah. worth it. it, even though it doesn't. I know a lot of people complain too. It's like, oh, the movie's about the moon landing, and they don't even show that until like two hours into the movie. Don't know it's what like, happens. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> so landed. much more to that movie. I don't know. It's just, it's really good. <laughs> I could talk about it for forever. Yeah. But if you want to hear more about it, you can go listen to my other podcast <laughs> where I talked about it for like an hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll go on to my number ten, um, which is Mission Impossible Fallout. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. Wow. So mm-hmm. similar. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> um, but I, I love this movie. When when this was the best movie in my opinion when it came out like when it came out in July that was my favorite movie up until then it was it's one of the best it's probably it's the best experience I had in a movie theater this year like because I saw it like on the big screen in IMAX or whatever and it's it's, exactly the way it's meant to be seen and like Tom Cruise just he ups himself every single movie like every like. At least, like, two kind of is bad. And three is okay. Four gets better. Five is even better. And then six, he just knocks it out of the park, like, every single time. I mean, he's God, isn't he? Yeah, right. He's just, he's <laughs> literally unbreakable. Like, he just... He, I, I hope he keeps making these kind of movies because it's just... They're so good. And they're so entertaining. It, this is, like, pure entertainment at its finest, I think. Like, I can't think of a more entertaining movie this year than Mission Impossible. Really? Bro. Yeah. This is the best experience I think I had at the movies. So, I need to politely disagree with you a little bit okay because okay. i it's i watched this movie like a little bit after it came out and i heard a lot of like really good things about it mm-hmm. everyone was talking about it um when it came out but i have <laughs> never really been a fan of the mission impossible movies okay don't get me wrong i love the special effects i love the stunts that they do i have a lot of admiration for that because you know they're 
there's a team of people who are really thinking those things through right. and like planning them and like you know stunt coordinators production designers they all have to like work hand in hand and there's really something said to be something to be said for like the sense of collaboration there but this movie i thought i thought like tom cruise was just like a, a stone <laughs> throughout the whole movie like what does that mean he was I, like, never sympathized with him. I, like, never got a sense of his character. I think he was just, like, cold throughout the entire movie. Okay. And I can understand your complaint. But at the same time, it, the movie's not really about that. Like, I mean, there, there is, like, drama in this movie. More drama than others, I think, with his wife and stuff. They bring that kind of plot line back. Yeah. And that is probably one of the, like, worst aspects, I think, of the movie. Yeah, I and, agree. Because <laughs> this movie, I don't know if you know much about it, but the writer is, like, Christopher McQuarrie. And he, for all the Mission Impossible movies, it's kind of a tradition that they don't write the movie in advance. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, so they kind of come up with an outline. How and that he starts, it's really interesting, actually. They start with a location. So they're like, I want like him to jump out of like a plane over Paris, okay. and that's like the scene. And then they build dialogue and like the story around big set pieces like that. Oh, that kind of makes sense. To me. Which kind of like, makes sense. They're like, <laughs> when we you see him the... jumping out of a helicopter onto a plane, scaling right. the side of it, the plane crashing, and he parachutes down. Everest. Right. Exactly. And then they're like, okay, how does he get there? And then yeah. they kind of build it. So like, a lot oh, of the times, the key. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So they'll, they'll fly to Paris, and then like days, like. As they're shooting, he's, like, finishing scripts. So, like, every day they're giving new wow. scripts with, like, updated dialogue and stuff. That. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And I don't like, I don't think it could really work in any other type of setting for a movie. But, like, the Mission Impossible movies are surrounded by set pieces. And, like, you go to see it because I want to see him do the, the craziest stunt ever, you know? And he has to top himself every movie. And he continually does that somehow. Like, he hung off the side of a plane in the, in the fifth one. And he did crazier stuff this time. He did halo jumping. Like, actually, Halo jumping. They filmed it a hundred times, apparently. Wow. And you could only do it once a day. And they so they did it literally every day on set. He did another Halo jump, and they recorded it. You know, now that it's, you say that about the way that they wrote the script, uh-huh. maybe that's why the plot is so unfollowable. <laughs> you right. Know? Because it's so I complex. Was so hard. And it's almost <laughs> like they didn't want me to understand what was happening. Yeah, I don't think that's the point. I mean, there's a new bad guy in every movie. It's some other it's large organization. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll flip it, like... Yeah, like, characters will be good guys and then bad guys. The story makes no sense. I don't think that's part of the... That's not the point of the movie. The point is to, like, see Tom Cruise do cool stuff. Yeah. And, like... And this one has, like, Henry Cavill in it, too. Like, also kind of going neck and neck with him a bit. I really liked Alec Baldwin in it. Yeah, Alec Baldwin was pretty was good. good. I, I don't really love Alec Baldwin that much, normally, but he, he's he's pretty good in this. And, like, yeah. Benji... Uh, what's his name? It's called Benji. The guy from Shaun of the Dead. I don't know. What's his name? Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. That so the he, he's, yeah. <laughs> It's so with a view. Yeah. It, it, no, it, that, he's a really funny, too. I think he's a really good addition. I think this the movie is just so entertaining. Yeah. Like, the scene, like, he literally, he learned how to fly a helicopter for this movie just so he could do that scene at the end. That was all real. Really? Yeah. And, like, wow. the scene where he's hanging on the bottom of the helicopter and there's, like, a big cargo thing, he's actually hanging on that. Like, he has a, he has a harness. Like it. But he's literally climbing up on a rope up to a helicopter. Like, okay. it's insane that the stunts are real. Like, they're like, they're like GoPro shots because, like, they're, they're real shots. Like, he's doing these own stunts. Like, that's what's so crazy is you're watching this movie. Like, this is actually real. Like, this is on location, like, in, like, yeah. Tanzania or whatever. And they're, like, actually, like, 
climbing in a helicopter and like crashing into like mountains and stuff yeah i guess now that i think about it i remember like (laughs) the world stopped when tom cruise like sprained his ankle doing a stunt yeah it was more he broke his ankle and they used that take in the movie yeah i remember watching awesome like wait a second that looks familiar but i think that's why i pay money to go see this movie. (laughs) i think it got the movie a lot of good publicity yeah i mean he jumped from like a 15 like there's like a 15 foot gap like over two skyscrapers and he jumps and he breaks his ankle gets up in the scene and still runs off just for the scene and they use that scene in the movie that's nuts it's nuts i guess what i compare it to though is the james (laughs) bond movies which are like a little Mm -hmm. more sophisticated a little more like (coughs) like the plot is like a little more cohesive and it's a little like sexier but you know? see mission impossible is more consistently good really? james bond quantum of solace is bad okay. and like what was casino the new ones was specter specter was like fine yeah casino royale is like one of the best yeah like spy movies ever yeah. and like skyfall is like real also really good but like the last four two of them are good yeah where it's like fair. mission impossible these are event movies that you go to see and they like never disappoint they never disappoint. they're yeah, always that. like that's insane like yeah and every movie he does it. Like the second one, he's like scaling like the Grand Canyon or whatever, like yeah. with no harness. And he's like just scaling it. Like that's the beginning of the movie. They're just, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, it is pretty insane. Okay. <laughs> you found respect. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess like, if you haven't go see that movie, just like go see it and try to find it on the biggest screen you can. It's just, it's so good. It's worth it. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not even a big action movie guy. Like this is my only action movie I think on my list, but it's it's action at its best. It's the yeah. best action movie of I mean, the year. Speaking far. of action, that like brings me into okay. my number Good nine movie this year. Okay, go for it. <laughs> um, upgrade. I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted. Thank you. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, Interesting not upgrade. upgrade. Upgrade okay. is the movie that I wish everyone saw this year, but unfortunately, it just it didn't get much like talk. I've but... heard it's the good Venom. It's the good version of Venom. Well, I thought Venom was pretty good, so let's oh, call what? this the great version of Venom. <laughs> oh, okay. But okay. um, so this movie follows this guy who gets into this fatal car accident in the future, mm-hmm. and he is paralyzed. His whole body is paralyzed. Okay. And he basically, one thing leads to another, and he ends up basically getting this, like, high-tech device inserted into his body that gives him, like, this, like, really, like, impressive, like, physical agility, but also kind of taps into his mind. So in that way, it is like Venom, where it's, okay. like, two it's... beings, like, occupying the same body. Okay, that does but sound like Venom, in it, a way. This movie, like... First off, it did sci-fi so well for a low-budget movie. Everything was just, like, very well thought out in the production design and, the like, costumes and, like, the technology was all just, like, really well designed. And so it made the world extremely believable. But then also the cinematography of it was, like, breathtaking. Like, the cinematography, the way that they shot these action sequences throughout the movie is unlike any other movie I've ever seen. The camera would, it's... Have you seen Kingsman? Yeah. You know those crazy yeah. action sequences? Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I can compare it to. Like, okay. it really, like, took a risk and, like, did something, like, new and fresh. And really? I've, like, never been more engaged in an action sequence. Okay. Um, and, yeah, this movie just, like, I don't know. It was, like, a little bit campy. It was dramatic. It had action. It had sci-fi. It was, like, dark. It was, 
The performances were phenomenal. It was it was just fantastic. I think everyone really? needs to see this movie. Okay, yeah, you've sold me. I've heard I've heard like a couple critics like raving about this movie still, like throughout the year. I just yeah, I don't know. I just, it never sounded that appealing to me, but I think you kind of sold me. I'll, 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 give, I'll definitely watch it. The like, next time you want to spend a night in, like, with the boys, and, like, <laughs> just kick back and watch a really fun movie, this is the one. Okay. Okay. I kind of go back on what I said. I wouldn't call it the most socially progressive movie, but, like, yeah, you're damn, right. it's a hell of a ride. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, but, I mean, if anything like Kingsman, like, I think that is also great action. Like, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My number nine is Sorry to Bother You. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Thank this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you don't like this movie, don't I you? I saw these. I saw Upgrade and Sorry to Bother You, I think, in the same weekend. Okay. But yeah, I okay. did not like Sorry to Bother You. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like kind of figured, so I, I was trying to prepare my argument for it a little bit. So this movie is crammed with a lot of stuff in it, but which I think is why you probably don't like it. But I think it's there's a lot to say. What I really like about this movie is like afterward, I had so much to talk about. I literally sat for like an hour in the car. We just talked about this movie for so long. There's so much to say. Like, and it's so inventive. It gets crazier as the movie goes on. And you have no idea. At least I didn't really know much going about it, like going into it. I, knew, I thought it was like, this is a black call center man. And he gets a job there. And then he like uses his white voice to make more sales. And I thought that was essentially the plot. That's kind of what the trailer showed you. But it's not at all, really. And it's there's way more themes about racism. And I think it does that way better than a lot of other movies especially that the oscars are talking about that deal with that similar issue and it takes place in oakland and it very feels like it takes place in oakland that and blind spotting like yeah. are the two oakland movies of this year yeah and like i the did not know oakland. um and black panther but we'll save that for later <laughs> uh, are we <laughs> okay um yeah what else do i want to say about it? i mean lakeith stanfield i, f I first saw him on atlanta and he's Easily the best character on Atlanta. Lakeith Stanfield is a breakout star, I think. He does a great job as the lead character in this movie. Army Hammer is also in this movie. Also really good, I think. Really? You don't think so? I think he's always bad. I'm sorry. He's beautiful to what? look at. Don't get me wrong. but I'm Not even call her by your name? No. Really? He was, he was like... Well, I mean, we should, I guess call him by your name is like <laughs> off topic. But I thought he was just like... I think he's always miscast. And he always has such a like such a weird like superiority complex and you know i i can see that he's acting but i can tell that in his head he's just like i'm the best i'm the coolest i'm the hottest and i just i don't know really maybe there's just something inherently dislikable about him for me but i, I definitely problem... felt that way like prior to calling you by your name i think but he's he's turned me around in the last two years i think my problem with um with sorry to bother you is pretty simple it's hard for me to take a movie seriously when it doesn't take itself seriously. And I think that's where Sorry to Bother You, like, missed out. I think it tried to talk about serious themes in, like, a silly, disjointed, like, unrealistic manner. And I get that, but I, I, wish, this movie, like... I wish this movie took, like, one, like, magical element and, like, rolled with it rather mm -hmm. than just like doing anything and everything because at the end of the day it's just like 
didn't feel cohesive. Spoiler alert, the movie makes no sense. The movie makes sense, I think. Do you think so? I think, yeah, I think there's definitely stuff you can pull out of this movie. But I, I think it does fall for that same ploy of, like, this is the first-time director, like Boots Riley, who was a musician. He bases it off his album, and he just, like, crams too many ideas in one movie because he doesn't think he'll make another movie. I th- that's what I kind of gather from it. Yeah. And that I can understand that fault. But I, just, I still think it's cohesive. And I do think there's a lot to pull from this movie. And I think it's one of the most inventive movies I saw this year, at least that surprised me in the theater. Me going in, thinking one thing, and coming out, surpassing my expectations about what it ends up talking about. And it's also just, like, hilarious, too. There's something to be said for a movie that stimulates conversation. Right. And I think that that's where you're going to get a theme, I think, with my movies that are on this list, is a lot of them stimulate a really just good conversation afterward. And that's what I really like. And that's why, like, I have this podcast, because, like, that's what I love doing is seeing a great movie and then being able to talk about it for a whole hour afterward and like feel like i have more to say about it yeah i think and i think this movie does that i guess i mean because you like talk about like how it kind of fits into the rest of your list i think my movies exist on like two ends of the spectrum like it's like either like drama or comedy or like a movie that's like super um kind of like delightful (laughs) entertaining and like distracting from real world problems or it approaches them like head on you know what I mean? But I think Sorry to Bother You is one of those films that okay. very much exists in the middle, you know? Yeah. But because but, of that, I'm like, I just ask myself, what is this film trying to say? And I, if I can't answer that question, then, like, I can't. Like, I can't think highly of the movie. Okay. To your point about it being, like, all drama or all comedy, I tend to not like those movies. When it's all drama, like, you didn't see Green Book? No. That feels very heavy-handed to me. Like, yeah. the themes of that movie about, like, racism... It's like, okay, like, yeah, like, the whole, like, there's one scene, it's not really a spoiler because it's in the trailer, there's one scene where Marshall League runs out of the car because he's so pissed off at Viggo Mortensen, runs into the pouring rain and yells at him just so he can yell at him in the rain because it's dramatic, and then he just walks back in the car, like, literally gets out just to yell at him in the rain, and, like, it's just, like, and there'll be the scenes where it's, like, it's slowed down, the music swells, and, like, you see, like, oh, all these, like, workers are all black and they're working on this farm and he's, like, this rich man in the car. And it's like, I get it. Like, it's so obvious and it's like, you're not saying anything new with this movie. That's, like, my problem with that movie. What I feel like Sorry to Bother You is so inventive and it tells that same message but in a totally unique way that I would not have, like, otherwise created. Like, I couldn't come up with Sorry to Bother You, I feel like. It's too, like, it's very much a Boots Riley. Like, it's in his brain. This is what he made, like... You know? I, I feel like now is as good a time as any to talk about blind spotting because it was one of my like snubs. Okay. I don't know. It's on my list. It's a little it's higher. So maybe okay, so we, we can, wait, we, we can wait for that. I just think want. those movies are very like combo and they kind of, yeah. they talk about similar things in very different ways. Mm-hmm. I know? agree. And yeah. I think blind spotting does certain things that this movie does, but it does it a little better. So okay. I, we'll, we'll get to that. And then sure. another movie that yeah. exists in the same universe, okay. which happens to be my number eight. Go for it. Is Black Klansman. This is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. 
Okay. Did okay. you see it? I did see it. This is this is one of my honorable mentions. It's it didn't okay. quite make my list. It I was on my list. Our lists are. <laughs> yeah. It was on my list for the longest time, and then I saw uh, a different movie last night, and I okay. beat it. So no, which we'll get to. Uh, but yeah, talk about Black Klansman. What'd you like about it? I thought Black Klansman was honestly. I thought it was Spike Lee's magnum opus. I think it okay. is the is... movie that he has been waiting his entire career to make. Really, better than Do the Right Thing. I think so. Okay. I think, I think a lot of his earlier movies definitely like do a do an incredible job of conveying his voice and his like, you know, his his kind of persona and like his experiences and like everything that like shapes him as an artist. But Black Klansman to me was just, I mean, it's it's kind of it's hard because it is a very like commercial type of movie Mm -hmm. but it also is based on an incredible story it has a killer cast i found it so like funny and heartwarming but like real it was so what really got me about the movie was that final sequence where they kind of tied into reality and i like already loved the movies and they did that and i was like yeah like thank you like people needed to see that yeah it's like that message was already there throughout the whole movie but i think the last scene which we won't spoil but that last thing like it makes it so much more obvious, but in that sense, it's needed. I think just yeah. like this is incredibly relevant today, even though this is a story from the seventies, that's a true story. Yeah, this is still being talked about today, and this is like still super important. Yeah, so yeah, I think Spike Lee appeals to his audience in like a very like head-on way, and that's mm-hmm. what I love about him. You know, yeah. he like addresses them. Yeah. He doesn't like, hold any punches. He doesn't he... hold anything back. And yeah. like, boy, do I respect that. You know, yeah, like, I agree. he is a force to be reckoned with. And yeah. I think, honestly, after I saw this movie, I feel strongly that, I felt strongly that he should at least be nominated for mm-hmm. Best Director at the Oscars. Um, and while I don't think he'll win, I think he should. <laughs> I, think, I think he should. I, this I is think, probably my favorite Best Picture nominee. On the on, of the of the nominees, I think this is probably my favorite. This one had the most impactful thing. I remember seeing this in a theater, and everyone just stayed through the entire credits. Everyone was just like dumbfounded at how like impactful this was. People were crying. Like it's it's not even that serious for most of the movie. It's very funny. It's hilarious seeing white people being super racist as like Klansmen is very funny to me. <laughs> like yeah. and just like how they like. They force all these actors to say the n-word like hundreds of times in this movie yeah it's it's a very it's funny but it gets so serious very quickly by the end and it is yeah it's well, what also surprised movies. me was like adam driver's character being a jew and mm-hmm. how like that played into it right and the sense of like a shared experience which mm-hmm. i was so not expecting going in and i was like wow right. like this movie like spokes me in a way right. that like i didn't even know like I didn't expect at all, you know. Right. I I did like that that was there because it it makes it not just the black experience that they're like talking about, but anyone who's like any sort of minority of any minority type, marginalized, like, anyone who's marginalized. It's like, yeah. exactly it, it speaks to anybody in any sort of demographic, which makes it more appealing to more people. I think. I also loved how reminiscent it was of black exploitation movies, you know, and like mm-hmm. okay. I think I just saw online that like Denzel Washington is doing a reboot of Shaft. Which is this like oh like, black yeah, yeah, yeah you've yeah. seen it yeah and so like I saw this and I was like yeah like that that should be a thing like <laughs> we should like I mean bring that back we should I mean bring it back because it's like 
I mean, it goes both ways because it was like exploitation of like black characters, but also it was like one of the earliest forms of representation. So like, you know, is it good or bad? I don't know. That's up to you to decide. But I just thought this movie was exactly what we needed right now. And like, it's not gonna, I don't think it's going to be dated in five years, I think, because I think there's going to be a new relevancy like down the line like this movie feels very timeless even though it's very much a 2018 movie and also a 1970s movie i think it's these issues are going to be around for a long time even if it's not black people in like 50 years and it's like still like gay people or something like that like i feel like it's still gonna be super relevant to them how many times can you rewatch this movie like Like a a million times a million (laughs) this is one of those movies i still need to rewatch it like i need to go see this movie again yeah it's been on my mind those musical sequences when they're like dancing and like and the style is like also black like spike lee style is just very obvious and it's very interesting to watch it's just like yeah why did you shoot it that way i don't know but like i'm so engaged as to why you did it though i don't know um yeah this movie is just like there's no real problem why this movie isn't on my list, other than the fact that I just saw ten better movies. I think, happens. but yeah, it's just I'm glad you put this on your list because this is one I really want to talk about. So my number eight is actually very different. So this is the favorite. The queen is an extraordinary person. They're all staring, weren't they? I can tell even if I can't see. And I heard the word fat, fat, and ugly. No one but me would dare, and I did not. She's been stalked by tragedy. Everyone leaves me. Dies. This is the actually only Best Picture nominee that ended up being on my list. So, okay. Um, yeah, Jeez. the favorite is really good. It's directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, and I'm a huge fan of Yorgos Lanthimos. He has done The Lobster and The Killing of a Secret Deer, Dogtooth, Alps. They are bizarre movies, and this is this is probably I think the most accessible of all of his movies he's made, and this is definitely getting the most attention of all of his movies he's made. And it it's not quite my favorite, I think, even though it's called the favorite. I don't think it's my favorite of his movies. I think Lobster your favorite. Lobster's probably my favorite. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's but his style is so good that I could watch his movies for the rest of my life. I don't think his style doesn't get old. I hear that the dryness of his characters but like the purposeful dryness like you know he makes them have no emotion mm-hmm. and the stories seem so unappealing i feel like from like a premise but when you actually hear what the movie's really about like when you hear what when you find out what this movie's really about it's so interesting it's like i didn't, I didn't... go into it okay first of all sorry it's my number five okay on my list, okay so cool. i love this movie yeah i didn't watch a trailer going into it i just like knew that it was going to get a lot of hype you know emma stone having won an academy award like last or two years ago like right. this movie like means something you know and so i just i was like i'm definitely going to go see this movie i went in thinking that i was going to watch something along the lines of like mary queen of scots you know like some sort of like historical really? like period piece and boy knew, was that yeah, not no, what this was. I think that's what people that's holding people back from seeing this movie is people think it's a historical piece, and I don't even. It's think, so modern. Like, none of this happened. It's incredibly <laughs> modern. I literally was watching Olivia Coleman like stuff her face with cake and like cry, and I was like, "That's me." Yeah, <laughs> that's no, what yeah, I literally. Do. Like, yeah, this is like she as the queen. I feel like is a very like teenage girl as if she was the queen. You know, like she yeah. has like thirty cats or whatever. Yeah, like, that's so funny. Bunnies or bunnies. Yeah, yeah. even even funnier. <laughs> Yeah, it was so funny, and it was so, like, wicked and, like, juicy and, like, dramatic, but hysterical. I saw this in a theater. It was me and my two friends, 
in an empty, like in an empty theater. It was the mm-hmm. Cinerama Dome in Hollywood. Oh, I've not been to that. It uh... is a magnificent theater, and it is huge, and it was empty. But I was still laughing my head off the entire time. Yeah. And at yeah. first, my friends were like, "Nate, like, why are you laughing?" I was like, "It's hilarious." And like, this movie how is hilarious. in the movie they like realize they're like, "Oh, like it's absurdist," you know? Right. This movie. If you've never seen one of his movies, you may not get it for a while, but eventually you do, and you just like kind of let yourself enjoy the movie more because they're his movies are hysterical. Like they are the blackest of comedies. Yeah. They are so funny, but it's also like so well crafted too. Like this movie feels very reminiscent of like Barry Lyndon in a way. Like the cinematography is like gorgeous to look at. Some of the shots, I really like the fisheye effect they use a lot in this movie. Yeah, that's he's definitely like branding himself with that. Yeah, I, which what I do did. You make of that, I had trouble like interpreting it, but I don't, I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, he he is probably the like one of the biggest auteur directors working right now with such a unique style, yeah. and I am all for it. I love this director. This is one of those directors. No matter what, I will go see his movie in a theater when it comes out because his movies are awesome. Yeah, they're all so bizarre. They're this is so easily bizarre. one of the most bizarre movies yeah. of this year. Like even more bizarre than Sorry to Bother You, Baby. Yeah. Like it's they're and crazy. The score, oh my the score god, is I awesome. loved it. I loved the yeah. score. I thought it was just like it was really a bold choice to play like music that almost like hurts to listen to. But yeah, it, like really but it's got awesome. my heart racing. Yeah, you know? it, it's a really good score, and it fits really well into the movie. I it think. does. This wasn't nominated for best score, was it? I don't think it was. I'm not sure. Um. And that's, I really think, yeah. I mean, where it did get nominations, though, is I think Olivia Coleman is going to walk home. Which Olivia Coleman is the best actor or actress in this movie. She, yeah. yeah, she steals the show. And she does. Rachel the, Weiss and Emma Stone are also amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, While we're yeah. on it, I'll just mention something really quickly. I am so intrigued by the nominations for Best Actress this year. Okay. Let's look at the lineup. Okay. We have the leading actress of Roma, whose name I'm going to butcher, Yelitsa Aparicio. Okay. okay. A Mexican actress. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is like one of her like first roles ever. I read an article that said Alfonso Cuaron scouted like the Mexican like streets for an actress. He wanted like right. an unknown celebrity. So to get a nomination is huge. Glenn Close, who's been in the... The Wife, which is no one has seen. No one has seen. I watched <laughs> no the last like scene. thirty minutes on a plane, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually pretty good." But oh, really, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's the whole I'm thing. sure it's very fine. But <laughs> she is. Her first movie was like what Fatal Attraction, like hmm. thirty years ago. Like yeah. she is like very bizarre nomination. Yeah, and she's yeah. also like like older. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean Olivia Coleman, who I mean we just talked about her yeah, she, British actress. Like, she'll probably win. Lady Gaga, who's a pop star, and then Melissa McCarthy, who is a comedian, uh, a comedian, and a like, drama that no one saw. I don't could think. they be any more different? It's incredible. Yeah, I I love it, but I'm also like these poor actresses in Hollywood, like trying to like make it to this level, and like there's like not much representation for like yeah. what you consider like the classical like actress. But. Yeah, it's very different, which I kind of applaud. It's so weird. This is actually it's probably diverse in like ways I didn't even know exist. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the most surprising categories i think definitely yeah very unpredictable and olivia coleman i think it's the clear standout in this yeah, list she's gonna sweep yeah unless roma ends up like sweeping a bunch of these awards i think it'll be olivia coleman but. yeah i think it will uh, i think roma was gonna win a lot of awards but mm-hmm. i think olivia coleman kind of has this one in the bag yeah she and she deserves it she's been great i yeah she's she was in the show at Broadchurch. Did you ever watch that show? I she is phenomenal in that it's like a bbc show and i think it's on netflix now um 
But yeah, it's yeah, they know what's up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's move on. What is your number seven? Okay, you're going to laugh, but (laughs) this movie, let me prep before I say the name of the movie. Oh my God. Let me just say this movie took me to another world, quite literally. This movie, I forgot about all the problems that existed (laughs) in my life. And this movie like revitalized me as like a filmmaker, as a writer, as a creative, as just like a human being with an imagination. Okay. This movie was Ready Player One. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. No way. Yeah. I no way. loved Ready Player One. I found this film to just be executed perfectly i thought it was so imaginative and i loved how it was aware of emerging technology and new forms of entertainment it was reminiscent of like the 80s like movies games like music i thought that it was just like a trip honestly and i didn't realize it until the racing sequence mm-hmm. which did you see ready player one i did yeah and i yeah. I thought the racing <laughs> sequence, like, just, like, it just took me to another world. It was it was epic, I thought, as a film. Interesting. I did feel a similar way when I saw, like, E.T. or like, some of, like, earlier Spielberg with, like, that Hollywood magic, which I can understand that, but this, <sighs> this movie just wasn't that good. I don't you think. didn't think so? No, I don't know. A lot of people would agree with you, and, like, it's, I know. It feels just like they're throwing references in there. Just so, like, people who are big gamers or, like, people who are in their 30s and, like, lived through the 80s and 90s, like, can appreciate What's video game references. That, I don't know. I don't, maybe if I was 30 and I lived through that and I understood all these references, it would have been more fun for me. I mean, yeah, but there were a it, lot it just of references. felt very predictable of the story. Like, I knew where it was going and that's what it did. I don't know. You didn't feel that way about Mission Impossible. <laughs> but Mission Impossible was so more fun. I believe. I mean, that it's, I don't know. I guess to each his own, but. Yeah, no, I'll give you, if you're going to give me Mission Impossible, I'll, movie, I'll give you this, but. This movie, I mean, I would say like rewatch that racing sequence and like try to like one, see how many references there are, like two, like realize some of those references are from Spielberg films, which is just like, that's yeah, like, that's really cool to me. That's like super meta, you know? And is that cool just, or is that just him bragging? <laughs> he has like. I, it might biggest... be him bragging, but I think he has a right to, you know? But yeah. you could predict the story from the beginning. Like, unlikely hero ends up, like, having to go through the trials to win over the world and, like, mm-hmm. changes as a result. You know, it's the hero's journey, like, to a T. <laughs> but every step of the way, like, I was. St- things just kept coming up that were unexpected, and it really just. It, it did it for me. That's all I can I think say. the movie, for me, feels about as good as a story from a video game plot. Like, it, it felt like I like was playing a video game. Like, I don't It's just, like, there's plot holes all over. Like, it's the fact that, like, the first key or whatever was for him to go backwards in a car. Like, in a race where everyone goes forward. He was the first person of years to go backwards and try that. Like, anyone who's played a video game knows that that's the first thing you try. Like, when really? you're trying to figure out a key. Like, I don't know. It just I don't seems play so very many video games. So. Yeah, I was just like, well, if you're like, okay, like this is like how do you win this thing and like oh i can't it's like impossible to get forward like what do you do like oh let me try backwards like maybe that was also the first person to get the key though don't forget i think that was the second key and he was the only person was it? i thought that was the key. first key 
Maybe just say, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to rewatch I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it was <laughs> fun. It was a about. fun time at the movies. The Shining reference is cool. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, I think, it look, was fine. I, like, one of the reasons I go to the movies is to be, like, distracted. You know? I just love when, like, a director can, like, take me out of my own, like, body, my own mind, and take me on a journey that's mm-hmm. just so much larger than life with, like, spectacle and enchantment. And, like, that's what this movie did. And I think... Okay. In a year like 2018, which like wasn't really looking up for a lot of reasons, this movie just yeah, I mean it was yeah. needed. It was, it was good, a dream. It's good escapism, I would say. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad it inspired you. It didn't for me, but I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad you got something. Agree to disagree. What was your number seven? <laughs> well, you're probably gonna attack me now. So number seven for me is Beautiful Boy. Please. You think that you have this under control. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different. You're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah, who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad, here, this is who I am. This is not you. This is not you, Nick. What are you doing, huh? You always gotta be controlling everything all the time. Let me, let me book your room at a hotel for a couple of nights. I want it to go like this. Okay, that's my number six. So oh, I guess okay. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad we're talking about this. I, I was worried you weren't going to have this on your list at all. Oh, of course it's on my list. Okay, yeah. This movie is not perfect, I don't think. Um, I think the it was a little unnecessary in the way they flip some of the story elements. Like, they made it more com- confusing of a story. Like, they wouldn't, it wasn't chronological on purpose, and it didn't need to be. They just, like, tried to make it a little bit more engaging. That's really my only flaw with this movie. But okay. this movie... I had a different flaw. Okay, okay. Well, we'll talk about it in a sec. But this movie, for me, I cried so hard in this movie. Yeah? Good. <laughs> like, like, maybe five or six separate occasions in this movie. This movie... It's a tearjerker. It, it got me. It got me in a way that I didn't realize I had... These, I could connect to these feelings so much. I really could feel for, like, the dad and for the kid at the same time. Like, there are certain scenes where I can understand both their perspectives so well and maybe that's just because like i'm like in between being a teenager and an adult right now and like that just got me at the right time but this movie which is so emotionally appealing to me and like timothy chalamet easily in the top five all-time actors in my opinion steve carell i think while he is kind of two note like he's either very comedic or very serious i think he's also very good in this movie and so it's just very well acted it's like just a beautiful story about like a father and son relationship. And it, it just personally really got me. Yeah. And I don't know how often I'm going to rewatch this movie just because I don't know if I ever want to put myself through that again, but it was just probably the saddest experience I've had at the movies this year. It unfortunately. was a very emotional movie. And I think to go back to your point about it not being chronological and you not liking that, mm-hmm. that's kind of why I loved the movie because Ooh. It was raw and it was unexpected and it felt like a memoir. It was almost like, it was almost like memories, disjointed memories of this father reflecting on his experiences with his son and the son's experience being an addict. And there was something so realistic about life not being perfect, life not being orderly, you know, life not being linear. Mm -hmm. But every, I think what, the reason why it worked for me is because in every scene you were learning more about their relationship and it was getting deeper. So I didn't care when it was taking place, what happened before, what happened after. I was just felt like I was learning and absorbing. And I mean, yeah. this movie, like, wow, 
wow to deal with such a like internal conflict i there was not a moment where i questioned what was going on it it was very like accessible and it was oh it was so it felt so personal and it felt like i shouldn't have been watching it you know it felt like it was too vulnerable and like i shouldn't be allowed to see the story it felt like very contained in their family and like i was like peering in on a world that i shouldn't know that much about they were so vulnerable every single character exactly now here's my problem with the movie okay i think steve carell was poorly miscast really yeah and i have felt this way since he started doing drama i didn't love him in Foxcatcher. i also didn't love him in Foxcatcher. i i I couldn't his nose on his face (laughs) i was just gonna yeah no i agree with you i think Foxcatcher. i really wanted to love him in that movie because i just loved i love when comedic actors turn dramatic i just yeah that's like one of the things for me and i just i couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> yeah i just i don't know i just i couldn't get past like all i could see was steve carell in that movie yeah. this movie i thought he was better in it's his voice though that feels very oh, much oh, like very michael scott still like which is unfortunate because i know he like wants to break away from that character and everything yeah it's just it's so hard and i i disagree that he he's he's good in other movies like big short and vice i think are very underrated performances for him where he he blends into that movie a lot better than i think um I, i don't know i didn't mind him in this movie i still could empathize a lot with his character and feel like how sad it is for a father to like watch his son go through this and be completely helpless. Yeah. And I hear that, but I also think that it's already inherent to the story that the father was helpless. You know, the kid is like stealing money and he's like running away from home and he's like being clever about like getting drugs and like, you know, he's going to rehab time and time again. So like to make the father then kind of wimpy doesn't, do anything for me you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't like raise the stakes in any way because then i'm wondering if like the reason why the why i think his name is nick Mm -hmm. why he's an addict is because his father isn't strong enough or because of his own inner demons but it could be a mix of both i think but i think that's what makes it so sad is that the father almost realizes that in a sense that it's like he blames himself for a lot of this and he's trying his best to like figure it out but he can't yeah he has to realize that he can't help anymore and he has to like let nick do this on his own yeah uh, it's yeah what it's, i also thought was a nice touch though was the casting of the mom too who, oh, who is who's holly in the office yeah his uh, wife in the also office. his wife in real life apparently no someone told me that. no i think it's uh I'm not sure no either. it's not his wife okay. is um, <laughs> yeah, his wife is the the woman in like season two or three of the office it was oh, like yeah. at the diwali episode he was like girl like carol his real estate agent Oh Remember? no way! Wait, yeah. that's hilarious. That's that's his real life. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. You learn something um, new every day. But uh, that movie's great. Yeah, let's move on then. Uh, so your so my number six is Beautiful Boy. So your number six is my number six is Eighth Grade. Yeah, uh, one more week of eighth grade, huh? Huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? Eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So this trip. this movie actually went down a couple couple numbers in the past couple of days because I saw a couple other movies that that passed it. But man, this movie's good. This movie really opened my mind a lot, and this is something that I could relate to on certain levels. 
but I've known other people and like people close to me that have related through this more and to hear their experiences of like how similar this is, especially like eighth grade girls and stuff. Like it's so affecting. And what I think is the best part about this, and I actually saw like a Q and A with him too. I think the coolest thing that he said in this whole Q and A is that this is an emotion that he feels and he feels very alienated and isolated and anxious. And this is a feeling that he's felt his whole life. And when he goes on stage, he feels this. And what he did is he took that emotion and this was his outlet was to transform his emotions into an eighth grade girl and to not only successfully do that, but have eighth grade girls relate to that as well. That's exactly and what you want. It's perfect. That's what like that's what makes such a good movie is when it's like someone takes an idea and then like expresses it in a very unique way that still appeals to everybody. Like you would it's walk personal, into this. It's specific. I mean, right like you want if you're like a douchebag like high school guy you probably you go into this like thing oh i would i'm not gonna like this movie like I, i'm not gonna relate and you come out of it and you're like i somehow could very much relate to this like it's so well done yeah. i don't know it's yeah it's, it was my experience watching this movie was i was amazed at how like aware it was and how much it was like willing to like to expose this like new generation and like their tendencies and like their experiences and their mm -hmm. problems. But with that said, I hated watching this movie because it made me <laughs> so uncomfortable. I have a younger really? brother who's in eighth grade right now. Okay. And I, the character I related to most in the movie was the dad, like trying to connect with his daughter, mm. but she's like absorbed in like, you know, Instagram and all this other stuff. And as soon as I finished watching the movie, I was like, oh my God, like, is that what he's going through? Like, is that what my brother is experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a more intense version of what I think what we went through. I think we passed Definitely. that generational gap where oh we didn't God. grow, we didn't have middle school with Snapchat. Or yeah, like, we got it, I got it like in ninth grade too. maybe. Like, I just missed that gap. I related more to her older, like, senior friends that she would hang hung out with, I think. Like, mm -hmm. I was a part of that generation, I Definitely. think. And it's um, smart of him to put it in there to juxtapose right, like, it, how, it like how much they converse in person, how awkward she is. Right. I didn't love her characterization throughout the whole movie because the whole time she's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. But that's how know. they are. It, that's how middle school girls yeah, are. Yeah, but you're she so, needed you like can't a little bit of perspective. I thought it was a great movie, mm -hmm. but I think she needed a little bit of perspective. I just think there's there's many characters in this movie that you can relate to, and I think anyone could walk in this movie at least relating to one. Like for you, it's the father. Like for a lot of people, it's like Elsie Fisher, the main girl, and like some people, it's like the older high school guys or whatever. Like there's so many different outlets, um, and this movie is just really good. And the music is also an extraordinary, very underrated part. It's just like yeah, it's hilarious at times. It's very uncomfortable at times, and I do think one of the closing scenes of this movie with. I won't spoil it, but there's a scene where the dad kind of has this speech, mm -hmm. and it's one of the few times the dad really gets to express himself, especially towards his daughter. And I think it's one of the best scenes of the year. It's fantastic. It's it's comparable to the calling by your name scene where the dad yeah, talks I was to just his son. That. But in a way, I almost like it better because the calling by your name scene it's very poetic and very wonderfully put. But I, my dad doesn't talk like that. No, like, like, but that. this dad felt like he talked like that like it felt like it was just like yeah i don't want to spoil it but i get chills when it i think of it it's just like it was raw he could, couldn't understand like why she could feel this way and like why she could ever think these things and it, it's just yeah oh my god i'm I'm getting chills right now <laughs> it was a dark movie honestly yeah, like 
I was amazed by it's important how though. how much it could connect with people, you know, yeah. and how much I felt like it's very it's really empathetic movie, and yeah, it's almost a documentary. It almost felt yeah. like a documentary. Yeah, like. and I this movie, I think a lot of people have like talked about maybe this movie won't age what super well, but I don't think it's supposed to. This is a very much a time capsule film. This is 2018, and this is what 2018 people do. But I think the themes and the emotions that these people feel is timeless, and this is how people have always felt yeah. growing up. It's just this is the current age of technology that they're in. Um, so I don't think it's going to like be dated at all. Yeah, this movie's great. And I think it also, it kind of does a service, you know, by giving us insight into mm-hmm. this like generation that like doesn't know how to express themselves and like is, is like too immersed in all this technology because they like grew up around it and they get like iPads at age six and stuff right. like that. You know, it was... It was, it was a movie that, like, needed to be made and a story that needed to be told. I agree. Well, let's move on. So the number five movie for you was the favorite, right? Yes. Okay. So my number five, then, was Shoplifters. Have you seen this? I did not see it. Okay, that yeah. the Japanese movie. It's a, yeah. So, can, right? yeah, it's a Japanese film. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes Film Festival. It's also currently nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. I saw this last night. This is one of the few wow. movies that I was like, I need to see this before we do this episode. And... Holy shit, this movie is awesome. <laughs> this movie is so good. I put it at five now, but it might even go up higher later on. I just like this movie is so raw and it's very much the Florida project for this year. This movie, if you haven't, if you've never heard of this movie, this movie is basically about a Japanese family that lives essentially in poverty. They all have very low income jobs and they're, but they work as a family and they work as a unit and they, whatever they make for their job, they bring back. Yes, it's like shameless. <laughs> Basically, yeah. but um, but another thing that they do is they all they all shoplift at grocery stores, and that's how they also get a lot of their thing. But they do it all together, so they have this little code, and they do like a little wipe fun. on the nose, and it's it's very fun, and it's very cozy and warm and friendly and happy for a lot of the movie, and that's almost the point to like a T because this movie's like two hours, about an hour and a half. This movie very much switches to a different gear. This is kind of similar how the last scene of Florida Project switches and it brings you, but it's the opposite of the Florida Project almost in a way where the Florida Project is very, you see this from the kid's perspective and you don't understand what's going on and the, like this idealistic scene kind of the end. The shoplifters instead, it's very happy the whole movie and you love this family. You kind of like want to be, you want to know them. They're so nice and you love this and then it just takes you out of that world immediately back to reality. and back to reality you see that they are living in poverty. They have done bad stuff and they are now paying the consequences for some of the actions mm-hmm. because one of the main things that happens, and this isn't very much in the trailer, they find this girl who is like homeless and they take her in. And so they're kind of showing her how they live their family, even though she's not blood related, she's very much a part of their family still. And wow. it is beautiful. It is very much raw and it feels very realistic. It's not surrealist at all. It doesn't take, doesn't swell music when something bad happens it just shows you what it happens and it just feels so real and 
I like these people feel like real people to me and I just there was no other movie that made me feel something like that and I hear that it's a it's Japanese culture and it's something that I don't have never really experienced and I'm not Japanese so I've never seen this that opened my mind into like this new world that I've never experienced the way that you're describing it it's opening my mind yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's something that you have to see. You just have to see this movies movie. Movies are not just about what story you want to tell, but also how you want to tell it. Mm-hmm. And those two things, like, working together, just, like, transcend. Yeah. You know, they transcend experiences, and they transcend, like, outlooks and perspectives. And it's just, like, it's magnificent to see that kind of stuff on screen. I have to see this movie. Yeah, it, it's Japanese Sean Baker. It, it brings you into a world <laughs> that you don't know at all and makes you open your mind to it and forces you to see a world from a different perspective. And I feel like I've gained knowledge after watching this movie. I feel more open-minded from it. And that's wow. that's one of the highest praises I feel like you can give a movie. And I just, I just, It's great. Do you think it might win Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars over Roma? In my opinion, this is miles ahead of Roma, I think. No way. I mean, we, we might talk about this in a bit. Oh, I, we're going to get there sooner <laughs> than you think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, I just, yeah. No, I personally think it's way better. Roma is getting so much hype right now. Because it, it's nominated for both Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film, right? Yeah. So it depends. If Roma wins Best Picture, I think they might give it to a different movie for Best Foreign Language Film. I think Shoplifters deserves awesome. a win. And I think this is... This is easily the best Japanese movie I've seen. And I, yeah, I, it deserves more attention than it gets. Here's the thing, though. like Logistically speaking, Roma being nominated for both those two categories might split the vote and in turn like not work in the film's favor. Mm-hmm. But if it won Best Picture, it'd be the first foreign language film ever win Best Picture. Is that true? Which, yeah. Wow. That's I mean, pathetic. It's a foreign language film, but it was produced by Netflix, like an American company, but the director yeah, is Mexican, yeah. so right. I don't know. Like, Is it an international film? Is it an American film? Is it it's in Spanish, so... Like, but, yeah, okay. We'll let's let's move it. on. Let's move okay. on. Okay, number four for you. What is that? Black Panther. Hola. Let's go. go. No way. You, okay, look. I mean, there's a trend here. First Man Upgrade, um, Ready Player One. Obviously, Black Panther is going to be in the mix. I think we don't have to harp on this too long because everyone's seen it a couple mm-hmm. times now. But I love Ryan Coogler. I think he is truly just an amazing director. He is so visceral and he is so aware and he has such a distinct voice. And to see that voice brought into a Marvel film which shouldn't receive Academy praise, which shouldn't receive critical praise. It shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't, but it did. It's nominated for Best Picture. That is huge. But I, Do you think it deserves Best Picture nomination? Honestly, I was very surprised by it. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised, but the reason why I'll say yes is because I think it's the job of the Academy Awards to reflect like the trends that existed in the preceding year. And it's just not right to like discredit Marvel movies for being superhero movies. Like I think every film that's made that. should have a clear, it should have a, a chance of being recognized, you know? Yeah. And I think Black Panther was just like, it was just incredible. You know, the, 
the way that it incorporated like African influence was just mind blowing. The complexity and characters, the, I know that it's become a trope in Marvel movies that like the protagonist and the antagonist are like mirror images of each other. Yeah. But I think in this movie, that technique was just, it was just so well done. The idea of like two similar people who could have had the same upbringing, but didn't. And look how they turned out. One is a, king to a nation and they praise him and he's this like heroic warrior and the other one is an outlaw and he's a bad guy and a criminal only because of is that good storytelling though i i mean <laughs> i mean look it goes back to the western but to like root it in that oakland experience that ryan coogler like knows so well is so personal and yet like so grand and i think this movie like I think this movie takes a social problem that is very specific to Kugler's experience and puts it in the public eye and like, boy, is that like, boy, is that deserving of it. You're making me like it a little bit more. I think I'm very upset that I got nominated for Best Picture when there's so many movies, a lot of them I'm naming right now that I think are better than this movie. This movie is not, it wasn't even like a consideration for my top 10 list. It's, I don't know. Ryan Kugler is awesome. I think like Fruitvale Station is one of his best, I think. I think that's that's probably my favorite of his movies. It's good. It's good, but <laughs> it's just. I mean, the album was like one of the best albums of this year. The, yeah, know, the album is good. Kendrick Lamar. To and I think the album that's huge. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the music is very good. I think this is probably the best Marvel movie, and this is definitely the Marvel movie that has gone the most as far as social commentary as anything. But I just like. It doesn't seem like enough social commentary to me. Like you're saying about movies being progressive, I feel like this movie wasn't progressive enough in a way. Like I just feel like there are movies this year that had the same theme but just did it better. Like like I don't know. I knew you don't like Sorry to Bother You, but I just think Sorry to Bother You did it in a better way. Like we'll talk about Blind Spotting. I think Blind Spotting did it in a better way. I just I don't know. Like Black Klansman, I think it did it. like there were same movies with that talk about the black experience and just do it in a better way i don't know i applaud that ryan kluger made this movie and that it got such mainstream success and everyone is talking about it i just think there are better movies that do the same thing i think the difference for me is that yeah it may it may talk about the same things as a lot of these other movies but i think what it had over them was a sense of empowerment and i think that's really powerful you know when you think about the way that this movie connected with audiences Mm -hmm. that seeing i mean like obviously i can't speak like to the like black experience because i'm not that but i can only imagine the kind of impact that seeing like michael b jordan on screen like Mm -hmm. starring in a marvel movie like did to to this demographic yeah i very much appreciate that this is very much i feel like the year of like marginalized groups getting mainstream recognition, like Crazy Rich Asians, Black Panther, especially like these movies are having representation now. And that's great. And I love seeing a Marvel movie that is like about Africa, like the continent that no movies have been made about. I think that is really impressive in itself. And I love seeing that. I love this movie exists. It just, it's personally, it didn't, I think there are better movies that did the same thing. Okay. So, but I'll give you it. I'll give you it. Do you think it's the best Marvel movie? I think so. Okay. Watch um, it again. Yeah. That's all I can say. It has a lot of rewatchability. 
I've seen it twice, and I don't know. And you still don't like it? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. What was your number four? My number four was First Man, which we already talked about. Okay, so we can kind of cool. move on from that. What is your number three? So my number three was Roma. <laughs> Um, which I just found to be such a progressive, well done, like transformative film. I really feel the way you felt about shoplifters, honestly, where I learned about like a culture and I felt that I felt what Quran I think wanted me to feel you know I felt class struggle and I felt conflict and I felt the complexity of family and like he just I love his like auteur his altruistic tendencies you know the way he deals with like crime and politics and sex and like gender and class and like social status and all of that is just so it it seems like too much for like a human to be capable of but this movie just you know it did it and i it was one of the most heartbreaking films i think i've ever seen in my entire life but and it's it's hard to love a heartbreaking film you mm-hmm. know because it if it's effective like it may not make you feel good but I have to I have to give it the credit it deserves for being like effective and aware and it's really it's clear from this movie that Alfonso Cuarón has control over the formal aspects of the film especially in this one the cinematography because he was the cinematographer he also wrote it directed it and control over like the audience mm-hmm. and I think for that, he's probably going to win Best Director, which I would not be bummed about. Yeah, I agree. I think this movie, for me, it's I'm a very much in the minority. This movie had really good aspects to me. I think it has some of the best scenes. I think the delivery scene, the scene on the beach, like these are some of the best scenes of like the entire year. For some whatever reason for me, like I just couldn't really get into it. I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't see it on my TV which is like a pretty nice TV, but it, like it's not the experience it was like totally meant for. I, just, mm-hmm. I can really respect this movie for a lot of aspects, the directing and like the cinematography is beautiful. And some of these scenes are so well acted and so emotional. It just, as a whole movie, this didn't feel, it just didn't c- click with me. And I just, I can't really express it too it's much into words. It's a very subtle movie, I think. Yeah, it's very subtle. And I, I don't I normally like those kind of movies. For whatever reason, this movie, I just feel like there were better movies for me. I don't know. I love that it was nominated for like a lot of Oscars. That's awesome. And I love that like foreign films are becoming more mainstream and people are actually talking about this movie. And I think this is good for the future of foreign film as well. It's just for whatever reason, I understand. I agree with everything you say. I just, for me, I just, there were better movies for me. I don't I know. I hear that. I mean, I look, it, it's kind of incredible that it's, getting all these nominations because mm-hmm. when you think about like how much it doesn't have going for it this movie is a foreign language film which let's face it like like makes a lot of people less interested having to read subtitles it's yeah. like, not ideal 
It's black um, and white. It's black and white. <laughs> the leading actress is unknown. Most of the other actors are like unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's a lot about this movie that, and it's also like unfamiliar. You know, just in its entirety. Right. right. And there's a lot about this movie that like shouldn't appeal to American audiences, but it thrills me that it is going to American audiences because that, it goes yeah. to show that we're like opening up our minds a little bit. And I think it's a movie like this. When you think about how topical it is in 2018 to for like Netflix to produce this like big movie about like Mexican, not even Mexican, like American characters, just Mexican characters. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Just with all this like shit that like Trump is <laughs> doing with like his yeah. wall and immigrants. and Yeah, this movie, uh, it, it really honestly shocks me that this this is the movie of all the foreign language films that is getting so much attention because I just this movie doesn't feel super accessible to me. It doesn't feel like shoplifters in a way where it's like shoplifters it like you can it opens your mind to a new perspective and i can understand that you felt that but i just feel like to the general public i'm surprised people are also feeling that for this movie i just yeah. feel like roma it didn't do that for me at least i, don't I mean know. i think i think i don't think many like people in the general public are like interested in this movie i think it really does appeal to cinephiles and like yeah have you seen alfonso curon's earlier films have you seen yeah Itu Mama? i have not seen that one but oh, I've you seen, gotta watch yeah. that one yeah. i think that one is like the closest of his previous films to Roma. Okay. And I think that movie, I mean, that was one of, I think that was his first movie and that's the one that like made me love him. And then he also did, he has a crazy track record. He did that. He did, um, gravity. And... He did well, yeah, he did gravity. He did Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. He did, um, children of men. So, yeah. you know, he like found commercial success very quick. But mm-hmm. then to take that leverage and go back to his roots and make a very personal film that yeah. even he like has like said is like autobiographical yeah. is just like incredible to me. And he really like utilized every like resource and effort to make this movie. And I think it's just <laughs> it, it really does leave you speechless, which maybe that's why you didn't like it. You yeah, maybe I, I can't it, yeah, but... yeah, I can't describe it. I don't know, maybe I don't know. It's just I don't know. What is your number three? <laughs> uh, my number three is a movie that I'm going to have to preface this because no one is talking about this movie anymore. And I don't know why. Maybe it's too indie. I don't know. But this movie is mid-90s. You think you're pretty cool. They're ghetto-ass friends. You good? Uh. You think you're tough and shit. You're just a little fucking kid. A lot of the time, we feel like our lives are the worst. But think if you looked in anybody else's closet, you wouldn't trade your shit for their shit. So let's go. Mid nineties. Okay, mm-hmm. I actually didn't get to see it. Okay. But so this I've heard is very polarizing things. Okay. Yeah. See, maybe you can enlighten me then, because this movie is written and directed by Jonah Hill, which is very surprising because it's not super comedic. It is hilarious at times but not in a way that like jonah hill normally is in his like comedic films keep in mind jonah hill has worked with the best directors out there that is true I mean, yeah he has done some serious dramatic work but this he is with scorsese you know in the wolf yeah. of wall street yeah that know? is true you learn a lot from being an actor with a director like yeah that. but i so i actually i saw a q a with him for this movie too apparently this is like his movie he's been meaning to make for his whole life this is like the, his personal story this takes place in a very particular neighborhood in LA and is the skating culture in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And these, all these actors are essentially unknown characters besides Lucas Hedges, which plays the older brother. Um, and he is phenomenal. This is definitely Lucas Hedges, best performance of this year. Wow. I know he was in Boy Erased and this is his best of the year. 
the old there's an older black kid in this movie who is a s- actual skater. Most of these kids are literally just skaters that he like plucked from LA. That's cool. And he is phenomenal. He has one of the he has a very similar scene where it's like an eighth grade where the father talks to the daughter, where he talks to like the little kid that they kind of take into this group in LA. And it's just very beautiful. It's very well told. It, is, it has a four by three aspect ratio, which maybe ah. that turns people off. Um, but it, it very much feels like it's filmed in the mid nineties. It feels like a videotape kind of thing. The score is phenomenal. They use a lot of like hip hop, nineties hip hop kind of influences. Cool. And there's just, it makes you want to be this is like a this is like a almost like a sean baker shoplifters kind of thing where it's like it, it shows you a world that just like opens your mind to like wow i never had ever once considered like 90s skating culture in like this one pocket of la before but it's so cool i and, take it it's a very it's a slice of life kind of movie it very much is yeah, it's very small in in itself and it's very relatable in a sense too where it's like this little kid kind of gets roped into like this like skating group and they're all kind of older than him and they kind of show him the ropes and like he's just like the little kid who's like trying to fit in with a larger group and it's the, the themes and stuff that. like everyone kind of can relate to that in the sense like when you're a kid like, to be cool you want to play with the older kids like you want to do yeah and so he's kind of going through his experiences and like everyone loves like the little kid and it's it's just it's so great after this movie i was like that movie was just awesome like it was so funny and it got so serious at times and it just took you all over the place and this is easily the one i want to rewatch the most from this year like i've been meaning to buy this movie just so i can go wow. and rewatch it i just i love this movie and i don't understand why it's not being talked at all like really like i thought like it's produced by a24 so i thought that would give us some like leverage it's yeah. jonah hill which i feel like that name would give you more leverage it's just not being talked about and i wish it was it yeah. just had totally got thrown out of the Oscar conversation. I, I just, I mean, shame. from what I heard about the movie, a lot of the complaints were that the plot was very thin. And, I mean, if you look at, like, the movies that are nominated for the Academy Awards this year, I mean, they're very, like, plot. They're, I wouldn't call them plot-driven movies, but, you know, they're character-driven movies with, like, very, like, you know, high-stakes plots. And mm-hmm. it sounds like this movie, like, didn't really have it's very it's pretty much low stakes i would say but that's like with the beauty of it in a way where it's like this is like Like an intimate story i kind of compare it to eighth grade where it's kind of that like slice of life like generational right yeah coming of age in a way yeah that had stakes you know yeah and and this movie has stakes in a way but it's very much in the film you know like it's just like like his he like has trouble with his parents and his older brother is so mean to him and he, this, he finally finds his group of friends that he can like relate to, but like his parents don't approve of this. And it's it's a story that yes, you may have like seen it before, but it tells it in such a like fascinating and just engaging way that like you don't care. And it's just like it's so cool to watch, and it's just so I just are entranced by this movie. I don't know. I gotta watch it. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, you gotta watch it. Yeah, I don't especially because I'm living in LA. I'd love yeah, to see. And like, it's cool. What and skateboarding culture. Yeah. Is like. And they're all wearing like Champion and stuff, which is so funny because it's like a, it's bad brand now, and like that's like <laughs> yeah. they're all poor people wearing Champion. It's just like it's, wow. it's cool. It's a cool movie to see. I don't know. Okay. But, yeah. What is your number two? My number two. I mean. Honestly, I feel like you can predict it now if you like know me and the kind of films that I like. But my number two is A Star Is Born. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. In all the good times, I find myself. I think. Okay. Is this 
you probably hated this movie. <laughs> no, I, I like this movie actually a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um. So before I watched this movie, I watched all the other iterations of A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh wow. To all just, three others. Because I wanted, yeah, I wanted yeah. to know what I was kind of getting into, and after seeing this movie, it kind of became clear to me that it's not fair to call this movie a remake because I think it is so original in itself, and you know, Lady Gaga wrote an original like album for this movie right bradley cooper wrote what i would call an original script for this movie because it takes the same very specific premise but it gives it a whole new like world a whole new culture new like characters and you know like i wouldn't call every film that uses the hero's journey a remake you know in Mm. a way it's more of a remix where they're taking from the existing elements and like recombining and re formulating and adding new elements to make it something that like stands on its own i think it was so romantic and it dealt with such serious themes of you know like dreams and like kind of like homartias or like these like disabilities these flaws in characters and it just really was so beautiful to me and i think the music did a just phenomenal job of like underscoring that and i mean it was a movie i was really excited about for the longest time and i think when a movie like that like doesn't let you down like there's something to be said because my my expectations were very very high um i yeah yeah no this this movie is really good this movie i had no inclination to see (laughs) the trailer just like i was like wow i don't i don't want to see that it looks so really? bad i thought the trailer was so it, well i don't know i just like didn't care i was like what is this i did i never heard of the other movie like the the originals versions before anything um and i actually did this movie for the podcast and oh who'd you bring on uh one of my friends stevie okay, um but but yeah this movie blew me away i had no idea the amount of depth that it was going to come in with and yeah it had so much heart and can we spoil this movie? I feel like everyone has seen it. Okay, well, spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, skip ahead like two minutes. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> what I was going to say is, so in the original movies, his death isn't in, it isn't a suicide. It's an accident. And so what I think was so well done across the whole movie was like how aware it was of the like influences that came before it. Mm-hmm. And so like when Bradley Cooper's character is in the garage, that the motor, there's a motorcycle in the garage. And that almost like it um it's like a false telegraph to the audience that like his death is coming but what you don't expect is that he's going to kill himself which almost feels like after like three previous iterations of the movie like i'm surprised that he didn't commit suicide earlier on because it makes so much sense that like that's what he would do in that circumstance and i think them deciding to do that is a really bold move that like kind of like allows the movie to stand on its own and like really like really like mo- it like modernizes it you know it, it right like yeah. roots it in this like really like topical experience of like you know drug abuse and like suicide and like relationships i think that's really just yeah like- yeah i agree this movie brought thing like a recycled script essentially and like brought it into relevancy of 2018 with like drug abuse and suicide and all these different things it made it very much a 2018 version of *Star Is Born*, which it really surprised me. It 
yeah, this movie is good. It didn't make it on my list, but I'm glad you put it on yours because it's it's a good movie and should be talked about. And how about that last shot? What was the last shot? The last shot is just a close up on Lady Gaga's face oh, when she looks directly the... into the camera. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to, like last shots have first and last shots have so much power in a movie to really like dictate like the beginning and the end. You mm-hmm. know, what do you start with and what are you left with? And that last shot to me, that's. That's one of the biggest reasons why I think Bradley Cooper was snubbed in not getting a Best Director nomination. And honestly, I have no clue why that happened. I think he that really a, did deserve it. It is a snub. It. Yeah. It was a huge snub. I think. And he was, I think he, he was everyone the was behind this movie. Yeah. And everyone was betting on it, I think, too. Like, I think, I thought he was probably going to win Best Director for a while and he didn't even get nominated. I, I don't understand this movie lost a lot of momentum, I think, for the Oscars. Yeah. And I don't know why. Um, it's. This movie yeah. is what I'm hoping for to win Best Picture, honestly. But mm. it's, that would be so Hollywood of it, though. I would. Love it's very it much a Hollywood film. The, yeah, the reason why I don't think it will, though, is because the Academy has seen so many iterations of this movie mm-hmm. that it's kind of a turnoff. You know, they like to celebrate like new and like progressive and like original That's types new, of movies. Yeah. And I think this movie was that, but unfortunately, I don't get a vote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this movie's good. If you haven't seen it, you probably have, but um, yeah. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you have yeah. seen it, see it again. <laughs> True. Exactly. If you've already seen it twice, listen to the album. Why not? <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, my number two, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Wow. Over have you movie. seen this movie? I have seen it. Okay, so you it was pretty it. good. This movie's great. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. This movie, I did not want to see. I had this was not even on my radar. I had no idea about this movie, and people were like raving about it. I'm like, I'm not like a huge like superhero kind of guy or whatever. This movie is not just a superhero movie. This like the, it was just like it dives so far into a superhero movie, but it also people that don't like Marvel movies will enjoy this movie. It's like, like I had a lot of my friends who like don't watch Marvel movies like back at home and they saw this movie. They all loved it. Like, it's just like, it's hilarious. It like dives into weird parts of the comics that you would never like it's expect. Very self-aware. And like, like I think uh, like, what's his name? The pig, <laughs> like the pig Spider-Man. Yeah. Is one Spider of the funny, Spider right? something like that. I just think that's so funny. I, th- I love funny. John Mulaney plays him and it's his it perfect casting. Is, and Nick Cage plays like this noir Spider-Man. Yeah, the casting and, was phenomenal. The only yeah. thing I wish they did was bring in um, actors like Tobey Maguire and like Kirsten, Kirsten oh, like Dunst from like that would be some of, of like the most recent iterations of Spider-Man. That would be fun. Yeah, right. Andrew um, Garfield could have had like a little cameo. But... Yeah, it, this movie is just like the style. It feels straight out of a comic. They literally use like text on the screen sometimes to like talk. Like it's literally from a comic. The animation is just very unique. It's, it's a, visually breathtaking. Yeah, it's visually just one of those. It's just so cool to see, and it's like the way they tell their story, like through like comic books and like all the characters. Are like, let me tell my story. It's it's, it's, it's very innovative. It's very innovative and very unique. And I'm just I was very surprised with this movie. I saw this movie like very recently, and it just blew me out of the water. I thought I had my like top ten like set in stone, and this movie just like just came out of nowhere. And yeah. it's just it's really good. I think it, it's still in theaters. You should go see it if you haven't. It like 
I know you may not like superhero movies, but this is not just a superhero movie. It's really good. It's animated a really good movies, animated movie. Man. Yeah. They're it's, really pushing yeah. the bar for what's possible. Yeah, this will absolutely win Best Animated Film, I think, this year. I think it will. I think, I think, I think it's, it's kind of a shoe in I mean, yeah. when you look at what it's up against, though, like you got Isle, Isle of Dogs and Incredibles 2. I didn't love Incredibles 2. I'm not going to lie. I love the original. I like the original more. And I also yeah. think, like, my biggest problem with Incredibles 2 is that the first scene and the last scene were exactly the same. They're preventing a ship from yeah. destroying a city. And I thought to myself, what changed over the course of the movie? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It was just a second iteration. So, it was just and the first see the one was so more. good that like, yeah. the bar is pretty high for the second one. Right. Isle of Dogs. Wow. I thought that movie was phenomenal. Yeah. One of Wes Anderson's best. Yeah. This That um, was one of my honorable mentions that we'll discuss in a minute. Yeah, me that's too. Just, that's... Yeah, it's it didn't quite think, make it on my list. It just it's. I awesome. do think Spideyverse should win. Yeah, best animated feature. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I heard that Sony patented the animation technology that they used to make yeah, the movie. Yeah, they did. I think probably a sequel will come out, and honestly, I'm for it. I'm I'm down to see like more movies that are like this. It's just yeah, like I want to know it's what weird original. stuff they're gonna bring in. Yeah, it's you very original. You literally didn't know what was gonna happen from one scene to the next. And yeah, so, like, which is so bizarre because it's like based it's on Spider-Man. comics and Spider Man. Like everyone knows Spider Man. Yeah. But somehow it's still original. It was yeah. Really fun. Okay. Number one. My number one movie of this entire <laughs> year. Go for was it. Was if Beale Street could talk. You ready for this? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. You know I love you. No matter what happens. I'm yours in your mind, and that's it. This movie. That's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> was. It brought me to tears. The second I sat down in the theater and the like movie started playing, I just, I got the feels, you know? And the, the, visually, it was just so colorful. It was so romantic. It was heightened reality that was felt fantastical, but so rooted in an experience and not just one person's experience but a shared experience the opening the opening quote resonated with me so much that idea that like people are shared through a common identity and at first i thought maybe that was just people of color and jews and like mexicans and christians or whatever it may be but over the course of the movie, you realize that it's just people who are marginalized. And there are so many different like ways to connect with people. And there's so many ways to, there's so many horrible things in the world that might try to incite hate. But this film, I walked away just, just feeling love, mm-hmm. you know? This movie was about love and nothing else. And right. It transcends the story that it tells, I think. Yeah. I agree. As I said before, it's really hard to love a heartbreaking movie, but this is such an enigma of a movie because it was about so much pain, but was so sweet in a way. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. walk away feeling that pain. You walk away feeling the love. And I think this is Barry Jenkins' best movie yet. Really? I didn't better than Moonlight? Me. I thought it was way better than Moonlight. Really? Um, and I don't I'm agree with really that. surprised it hasn't been getting a lot of hype. You don't agree with that? Why not? I, Moonlight, for me, that was my favorite movie of 2016. I love that movie. I think the story is so personal, and it just it told it in such a unique way, and it's so beautiful. This movie, 
has all of what Moonlight has, but for me, it's just the story wasn't there. I love the larger meaning it holds, and I love that like it's about love and it's about this story that it's not necessarily about this one black man who's who is like wrongly committed of this crime, but it's a larger story about everybody that goes through this. Like this is a very this could apply to anybody. And I love that. It's just like the actual story didn't feel super like engaging to me. Like it was just like. I was very entranced by this movie. And I think the scenes of like them and the two main characters, the couple together, I think is beautiful. And I think the music is easily the best score of the year. And this movie is just so beautiful to watch. And I could sit through, I could just live my life watching this movie on repeat. And it's just so beautiful. It's just like, as far as a story perspective, I just thought it lacked a little bit. And that's the only reason that it didn't make it on my list. But, and I will rewatch it just because I get chill. I was like, had two hours of chills watching this movie, and I feel that. It's, yeah, that's the only I, reason that was just I the literally story. Had tears streaming down my face. <laughs> and it is not easy for me to cry. Really, but I just really couldn't hold them back. Oh yeah. my god, this movie just did it for me. And I mean, I honestly, if you ask me, like, I this is the film I would give best picture. This is the film that biggest I'm, snub I think for best picture was this huge movie. snub. This is the film that I think it like should be up there for best director. I think if Regina King doesn't win best supporting actress, then mm-hmm. I'm yeah. quitting. <laughs> I'm quitting movies and I'm <laughs> going to go work in finance. But <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. This was the movie for me. This was the number one. This was the like best it. movie that I saw all year. And yeah. boy, have I seen a lot movies yeah i've seen a lot of movies too and i've seen a lot of bad movies and i've seen a lot of really good movies but my number one ended up being blind spotting you are a convicted felon mr hoskins you are now that until proven otherwise i'll prove otherwise at all times not enough stop don't shoot don't shoot Okay. Yeah, which we've kind of hinted at for a while. And this movie, I think, is the most underrated film of 2018. This this has not been seen by enough people. And when people do see it, they're like, yeah, no, yeah, this is easily one of the best movies of the year. It's, I I wish more people saw this movie. If you don't know what this movie is about, it's that David Diggs, who was one of the stars of Hamilton from Broadway, and his best friend, childhood best friend, Raphael Cazelle, who is a slam poet artist in real life, and he is not really an actor, but he brings one of the best performances, I think, of this year. David Diggs also brings one of the best performances this year. The story takes place in Oakland and is very much an Oakland story. It is about them growing up in kind of a lower class situation and then how they have the same experience, but also very different experiences because David Diggs is black and Raphael Cazelle is white and they are best friends but there is prejudice involved between the relationship and that kind of explodes in this movie is told very uniquely. There is a freestyle rap that is told throughout this film and they'll like be walking down the street and then they'll all kind of start breaking into rap, but it feels so natural. Like they're just like, they just are really good at freestyle rap and there's that's a hobby they have in the movie. And there's like a dream sequence with a freestyle rap that Raphael Cazelle gives, which is one of the coolest scenes. There is, one of the final scenes with freestyle rap that David Diggs gives, and it's so emotional. I was bawling during this movie. I stayed through the entire credits. Me and all my friends that we saw, we just stayed through the entire credits, and we were just blown away by this movie. It yeah. is so good. It's also so much larger than itself. It's not just about the characters remaining, but there's so many external pressures and stressors mm-hmm. and 
and like influences that try to try to corrupt them and they try to like create like harm and it's so real and it's Mm -hmm. so true and it's scary to watch but yeah i'm so glad it's being represented yeah i love this movie it's very funny at times too and then it it switches and it gets very serious in the blink of an eye yeah in the same scene it'll switch and then it'll switch back to comedy and you don't even mind that like no bad tone with this like they they weave together comedy and drama perfectly in this movie and it is just it's just one of the most well-told stories it is the i think one of the best movies if not the best about race i've ever seen yeah i'm not like this i can't understate this movie enough don't you prefer a movie like this that approaches it head on and is bold and it has something to say rather than sorry to bother you which is like a silly like mess <laughs> it's not silly it's, a, it's like a comedy though i don't know okay <laughs> i do think blind spotting did it much better and which is weird because i saw these movies very close to one another because they both came out in the summer and yeah I, they both came out around the same time too yeah and they're both like and the writers of this movie is also david Dix and rafa gazelle they take a lot of this from their own personal experience growing up in oakland and it's just, it's beautiful yeah. it's a baby scene oh yeah yeah god oh my god every scene That's about scary. this movie is yeah. so good one after the other like Very i don't episodic, have... you know yeah, yeah. if you have not it's seen phenomenal. this movie please go see this movie go support great art like yeah. this it's yeah. just it should probably be on my list to be honest now that i think about it yeah. i just don't know what i would move because they were all so good this exactly was, would you agree this was a good year for me? this movies? is a very good year honestly yeah this is a very hard list it took me days i yeah. <laughs> i would go back and forth with this movie it's not easy it'll change um, in five minutes honestly yeah but... so we'll kind of close out the show with some honorable mentions yeah, that didn't make popcorn. this list we'll just do popcorn a, cu- a couple of the movies how about you just you throw one out there wildlife have you seen wildlife i'm seeing it saturday i'm doing it this week for the podcast um jake gyllenhaal carrie mulligan carrie mulligan gives a wonderful performance really should have been nominated for best actress wow the movie is very true to like the experience of this like family living in rural america during like the 60s and it does such a good job of talking about like masculinity and gyllenhaal's character and like the kind of pressure he faces to like support for his family. Um, and Carrie Mulligan is this like, she also faces different pressures being a mother and not being the best mother, but it's really a wonderful movie. And it's yeah. the main character, believe it or not, is the son that they have. He's this young boy who's just trying to like grow up in the world, trying to like mend the bond between his parents. And he's really a star on the rise. Wow. Great movie. I'm yeah. surprised I didn't, I'm surprised I found it on iTunes and saw yeah. that it came out this year and that no one was talking about it. I know, 96 yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Another movie is Burning. Have you seen that movie? I didn't. It's a South Korean film. It was nominated for the Palme d'Or and a Cannes Film Festival. Okay. I, um, I don't think it got nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. It should have. It's okay. very good. It's a mystery film. And it is a very slow burn, quite literally, because the movie is called Burning. Mm-hmm. It is long. It is over two and a hours and like maybe 15 minutes or something. It is a long movie. And... This movie just throws you for a curveball. It, it, it builds character development like I've never seen. It draws you in with this mystery and it gives you a, a very satisfying ending, even though it doesn't feel quite as satisfying when you see it. It feels almost underwhelming. And then you kind of think about it and you realize that this whole story is told from this one character's perspective and you don't think about it until you step back 
and realize what this whole movie is actually kind of saying. It has uh, the guy from The Walking Dead, the Asian guy from The Walking Dead in it. (laughs) Yeah. So if that draws you in, you should go see it. It's a really good movie. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Okay. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, you've got to see this movie. Okay. This movie, I think, is... First of all, star-studded cast. Chris Hemsworth gives the performance of his career. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Erivo, a Broadway star, is also in this movie um, with Jeff Bridges. And I think, yeah, I think he's in this movie. Um, and John Hamm, a bunch of other, like, really, Dakota Johnson, incredibly talented people. It is very much a Hitchcockian movie, which is what I love about it. It has spectacle. It has star power. It has... It's glamorized on the outside, but raw and, like, disgusting and tortured on the inside. It deals with the human condition, with power, with religion, with... Oh, my God. This movie. Just, (laughs) whoa. Like, talk about... It is very reminiscent of classical Hollywood, Uh which I really love. You know, it (laughs) it has elements of, like, noir, of, like, crime drama, of musicals. It's got it all. And... It's just a really fun watch that will have you on the edge of your seat. The next one is At Eternity's Gate. I didn't see it, but I've heard good things heard? about it. So this is uh, Willem Dafoe. It stars as Van Gogh during the last year of his life. And if you don't know much about Van Gogh, this is when he made most of his oil paintings. He made about one a day, which is absurd. He also had a mental condition where he was very ill. He had maybe bipolar disorder. I don't know. No one exactly knows what he had, but he would have these phases where he'd go unconscious and he wouldn't remember things that he did. He commits suicide in real life, and that's part of the story, and it's the last little bit. He's uh, committed to an insane asylum, and you see this told, but this story is told as if it's like a Van Gogh oil painting, if that makes any sense. It's so surrealist in a way. Like It's some of the most beautiful cinematography, some of this beautiful colors and you are just entranced by this movie you're taking on a journey of just like what his paintings mean and you understand van gogh's art by the end of this movie you like understand the brilliance that is him and he is just one of he is one of those geniuses that was just not taken seriously at his time and he like was a he was lived in poverty his whole life no one his fame his work that didn't become successful until years later and it, you just really feel for this character willem dafoe gives it might be the best performance of his entire career, which is saying something. Mads Mikkelsen is in it, who's also very good. Oscar Isaac is in it, Ooh, also very Oscar good. Oscar Isaac. It's a very beautiful movie. It's I'm very underrated. It yeah, you should watch it. I need to go see it. Yeah. Uh, the Fire Festival documentary. <laughs> I'm surprised that one didn't get nominated for Best Documentary. Because, really? Oh my freaking God. It's um, interesting, but... It's interesting. I just think it's... Oh my god, like the last time I saw something that entertaining, just yeah, it's yeah. so just You're talking like, about the Netflix ridiculous. one, yeah, the okay. Netflix one, Netflix one. Um, it was so ridiculous, and I, I kept asking myself, like, how did this happen? Like, how yeah. did no one stop this? And yeah. it's just, it's amazing. Like, this it's one, very like, crazy this story. one guy just was such a sweet talker, and he just coerced so many people, yeah. so thousands of people into just like following him and yeah. his empty plan. And it's just the end of it was like truly heartbreaking. Yeah, you feel, yeah, but it, it's a very interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen that, like, you won't regret watching it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> one more I want to mention is The Old Man and the Gun. Have you seen this movie? No. This is directed by David Lowry, who did a ghost story. It stars Robert Redford in his final performance of his career. This is one of Robert Redford's best performances I've seen, at least. And it calls back to a lot of what he did in the 70s with his like very like 
cowboy-esque kind of figure. Um, and it is just a very enjoyable movie to watch. He is a bank robber who goes around the country and he just he robs banks, but he gets away with it because he is so charming. And he talks to the bank teller and sweets talks to them into giving him money. And that's just what he does. And he's done this for like 40 years and he's just an old man going around the country and all he has is a gun. He just robs banks. And it's so just, it's like cool jazz music is played throughout. Oh, and it's just, it's just a very fun story. It's a great performance. And it's just... It's just a really good movie to watch. If you haven't, it's a very underrated movie. It's yeah. like no one really saw it, and it should. It's it's I'm a great to farewell it. to Robert Redford, and yeah, that's so fun. Yeah. All right, worst movie of this year. What is uh, yours? What is my your... worst movie of this year was Vice. No way. Yeah, I hated it. Oh my. No goodness. way. Yeah, I, I didn't talk about that, but I did really like that movie. Really? Yeah. I just thought it was. I think that I I give it props for being original, but uh-huh. I don't understand why it chose to undermine itself. I think it had potential to send a really like powerful message to people about politics and corruption and power, and it undermined itself. Like every chance it got, it would it would say to me like say like here's a situation, but like don't take it too seriously, and like all this, you know. I mean, there yeah. were moments where. The, like, final speech that, like, Cheney gave was, like, that like I got nothing from that. It, it was supposed to be, like, the, like, climax really? of this movie, and it oh. didn't give me anything. It, huh. you know, the, the way it was told was kind of, like, bizarre and, like, silly and, like... It's very um, unique. I don't know. It's, it it's so more Big Short-esque than the Big Short was to me. Like, if that makes <laughs> really? any sense. It's, like, it almost feels like a documentary where it's, like, it's telling a story with such a lens and... It's like the scenes with like Christian Bale and everything just feels like reenactments and like it's really a documentary though. If that makes any sense? I don't know. I, I didn't. I I didn't kind of real on like any account. It like didn't convince me of really? anything. Yeah. It, there, there's definitely a lens, and he's definitely coming in with an agenda to say. But I I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's something that grows on you. But um, my worst movie is is just a straight up bad movie. It's The Princess Switch. You heard of this movie? Is that with Vanessa Hudgens? It's with Vanessa Hudgens. You it's a, watched that? <laughs> I watched it over Thanksgiving with my family, weirdly enough. And it's a Netflix movie. Um, it's basically a Hallmark movie, but it's like produced by Netflix. It stars Vanessa Hudgens playing her playing a person who is from Chicago and her also her doppelganger who is the princess of England. So it's the prince and the pauper. Yeah, it's, it's a classic Vanessa bait and Hudson. switch. They switch classic. their lives. They have to like one now she's like has to pretend oh, to be British and the princess the other person has to pretend to be a Chicago and she's poor and she's just a little, little chef and not a princess. And they like they have, they have love interests and they're like supposed to marry they're supposed to like marry these two guys and then they have to, they flip and then now they fall in love with the other guy and it's just it's so bad. It's, okay, do you know what this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? What? A ninety. No way. Yes. That's bizarre. I I guess yeah. I have to watch it. Yeah, no, you really shouldn't. Like, it's not even worth your time. It's so bad. Okay, just, good to know. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of wraps it up for what we thought of 2018. There was a lot. This ended up being a very long episode. Um, we unpacked a lot, but it's been hopefully, a long year. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long year. A lot happened, but there's been a lot of good movies, and I hope if you haven't seen all of these movies, you should go check some of these out because these are really great artists doing some really great work. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on, Nate. Thanks for Thank doing you the so podcast much for with me. me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, peace.